0: One of the most common inspirations for music is nature. The ocean is one of the most common. Whether it be choppy water on a stormy night, or the golden glow of the sunset as it reflects off the sea, the ocean has a very distinct mood. Hi there, and welcome to episode 19 of 8 Minutes of Music History. I'm Goki, and today we will be diving into the music of the sea. From shanties to operas to classical suites, multiple composers throughout the centuries have tried capturing the sea in music. But how exactly do you take an existing place and put it into song? Well, the ocean sort of has a mind of its own. The sea can be calm and melancholy, but during the day it can be stunning and grand. We hear this expressed in the opening of Ralph Vaughan Williams, AC Symphony, Movement 1 performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. This opening is very grand, and makes me think of a ship going over a huge wave. On the other hand, this symphony also shows the calmer part of the sea. Let's listen to a bit of movement too. The beginning of Movement 2 makes me think of waves softly flapping against a beach at night. This movement represents the calmer part of the ocean, with the slow, relaxing melody. While we heard the grandeur of the sea in Movement 1, of a sea symphony, and the calm, still nature of the sea in Movement 2, we can hear the stormy, dangerous part of the sea in Felix Mendelssohn's Hebrides Overture, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. In this piece, you can hear huge waves crashing into the side of a boat and then clearing the way for another. This piece was created when Mendelssohn visited Fingal's cave in the UK. The melody of this piece was written on his way back to the mainland during the midst of a storm. The early parts of this piece were mysterious and slow, representing the spooky feel of being inside Fingal's cave. Then the part with the crashing waves comes, representing the ship's encounter with the storm on the way back. We've seen the three parts of the sea expressed in music, the grand, the calm, and the dangerous. But it wasn't only classical music that took inspiration from the ocean. (sighs) (sighs) That was Dick Dale's Misserloo, which brings us to our next segment, Surf Rock. Surf rock is a subgenre of rock and roll that takes the sport of surfing and turns it into music. Surf rock has two main components, the reverb-heavy, wet-sounding guitar created by Dick Dale, and the multi-tracked, harmonizing vocals created by the Beach Boys. Let's listen to Surfin' USA by the Beach Boys and hear what these unique vocals sound like. You'll catch Let's take a closer look into each component. In Mr. Lu, we hear an exciting guitar riff go up and then back down again, symbolizing the rising and falling of a wave. The repetitive rhythm and heavy reverb were used to, and I'm not kidding, to sound unprofessional. The more polished and clean the song sounded, the more it appealed to adults. But surf rock wasn't meant for adults. During its time, surf rock was written specifically for teens. Some of the most famous surf rock bands were teens or young adults. This is why surf rock is as unique as it is. Even though it was only very popular from 1962 to 1964, the teens that loved this music carried it on throughout the decades, and it's still relatively popular today. The Ocean didn't only inspire the creation of music genres and pieces. Before the invention of steam-powered boats, being the crew of a ship was incredibly tiring. Having to climb huge masts, lift heavy objects, and unfurl ginormous sails are exhausting and boring tasks. But when you throw music into the mix, the task suddenly becomes lively and fun. This is how sea shanties were invented. Most cargo ships from the 13th to 18th centuries had a few crew members on board whose sole purpose on the ship was to play music. Shipping companies didn't want the crew to become so bored with their hard labor that they mutinied the captain, so they invested in providing music. This increased the speed in which the boat would deliver the cargo because the crew was being more productive, making the company and crew happy. There once was a ship that put to sea, and the name of that ship was the tea. The winds blew harder, bowed it down, blow me bully boys blow. <laughs> Soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks. That was The Wellerman, performed by the Longest Johns. The Wellerman is a very common sea shanty, so common, in fact, that no one knows who wrote it. The shanty tells the tale of a fishing ship trying to catch a huge whale. At the end of a shanty, the captain of the fishing ship sings a shanty to encourage the crew as they try to catch the whale. So, the crew of a ship sings a shanty about another captain singing a shanty. Shantyception. So, here's the big question If someone asked you to characterize the music of the ocean, what would you say? Surf rock and sea shanties are both very different kinds of music. In the end, most people think of music similar to sea shanties. But why is this? It's not like sea shanties are very popular anymore. Well, sort of. Sea shanties have inspired sea-themed film scores for a long time. Let's listen to Pirates of the Caribbean theme as an example, composed by Klaus Badelt and Hans Zimmer. This piece has the same style that traditional sea shanties have. The rhythm stays the same throughout the piece, only changing the pitch of the notes. This reflects off of how sea shanties had the same tune throughout the song, but the lyrics changed every verse. This is why a lot of people think of sea shanties when they think of the music of the sea. The ocean has many expressions. These expressions can have been expressed through music many times, whether it be a single piece or an entire genre. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 8 Minutes of Music History. You can find my research sources in the description. Have a great day.